Today we're going to deviate a bit from our Gospel of Mark series. We're going to look at uh, the Lord's Prayer, but only one line in the Lord's Prayer. Today we're going to look at our Father who art in heaven, Matthew 6, verse 9. Hannah was only 10 years old. Her mother and father seldom took her to church. One day she asked her grandmother to help her find the Lord's Prayer and copy it into her notebook. A few days later, she asked her grandmother to help her copy it again, since she had lost it. Then for a third time, she asked for something else important in the Bible to copy. When her grandmother asked her why she was so interested in the Bible, she exclaimed, my friend Corinne doesn't know Jesus, so I taught her the Lord's Prayer and introduced her to him. Now I need something else to teach her. Out of the mouth of the babes. Jesus also introduces us to God through the opening words of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. Hannah introduced Corinne through those very words, Our Father. The Lord's Prayer, my dear friends, is not an egotistic religious prayer, but a social kingdom of God prayer. It's not an I prayer, but a we prayer, Our Father. It's not a prayer for me, it's a prayer for us and all of humanity. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is not only teaching his disciples to pray, pray in this passage, he's teaching us to pray and worship as the family of God. We are children of God, sons and daughters of God. We start our prayers with God our Father. If not, there's a danger of concentrating on ourselves. And very soon, notes N.T. Wright, it stops being prayer altogether and it collapses into random thoughts, fears, and longing of our own minds. We need to approach God as Father at the beginning of our prayer and our prayers. See, when God is called Father in Scripture, it is most often connected to prayer and worship. Even before Jesus introduces this model of prayer, it is in the context of learning to pray properly. It's not about private prayer against personal prayer or private prayer against public prayer, but it's about is our prayers artificial or are they genuine? And he's talking to the Pharisees before he introduces the disciples to the Lord's Prayer. And he's making a statement of what true, genuine prayer looks like. If we back up a bit in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and following, we hear Jesus speak these very words. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Have you noticed how Jesus is moving us from artificial prayer of the Pharisees to the genuine prayer of a heart that is connected to the Father that is also our God? 
Our father is the father of Jesus. Jesus here in Matthew 6, as the son of the father, shows the disciples how he himself prays to the father. There simply is no way to rightly understand Jesus of Nazareth apart from his constant reference to and focus on father, as God, as father. Jesus' whole life and ministry is driven. He's compelled in his spirit by his relationship with the Father. The first thing that Jesus' pattern of prayer reveals to us is the identity of God. God, our Father. God who is in heaven. God who is holy. He balances the transcendent prayers of his own tradition where God was seen within the saving acts of power and deliverance from Egypt in the past. And he brings into light this father-child relationship, this approachable father, this father full of love, this father full of compassion, this father full of care. And he uses the Aramaic word Abba. But he doesn't want us to think that this is some sloppy sentimentalism. But it's a word that contains within it trust, intimacy, fellowship with God the Father. Jesus invites us into all of us into this relationship of all in intimacy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Abba, Father. As someone noted, it's impossible to follow through with the rest of the prayer without experiencing the intimacy of our Father. and confessing our Father, we acknowledge a sense of belonging and embracing all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord around the world. Doesn't matter about our our language group. Doesn't matter about our ethnic group. We are all sons and daughters of God Almighty who created us all in his image. It appears that Jesus addresses God often as Father. For an exercise, read the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 to 7. Underline how many times you have the word Father there. Go to the Gospel of John, underline Father within that Gospel. And you'd be surprised at the amount of time that we have Jesus approaching God as Father and introducing us to him as Father. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this awesome truth and to see themselves as sharing his own characteristic spirituality, his familial approach to God as creator and father. The very first word of the Lord's Prayer, says N.T. Wright, contains within it not just intimacy, but revolution. This is revolutionarily radical for Jesus' day, and not just familiarity, but also hope full of hope. In the Gospels, the Son and the Father have a unique relationship that we are invited in to be participants in. Isn't that great? What an invitation to join in the fellowship of the Son and the Father. The relationship of the Son to the Father is most clearly visible in the area of obedience. How do you like that? He comes to obedience the old-fashioned way because he trusts God the Father the covenantal faithfulness that he's had with humanity and Israel throughout the years, his tender mercy and his great compassion. Our father is the father of Jesus. That is clear from scripture. Let me just say that that our father is not your biological father. 
Our challenge today as a church is that the human concept of fatherhood does not become the model by which God's fatherhood is understood. We have deadbeat fathers who refuse to help or support their children and have abandoned the women that they have impregnated and left them with the full responsibility of becoming single moms. We have couch potato fathers who refuse to take quality time to be with their children. And then we have many parents confessing to missing out on the key moments of their children's development because of the pressures of work and society. The image of fatherhood that the media constantly reminds us of is not the one we find in scripture. It is not about our father. By addressing God as father, we enter into a relationship with a God who truly cares, not one who does not care. Frederick Buchner observed that we could dare pray the remainder of the prayer only if God were that kind of father. You know the rest of the prayer. The prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. Those who forgive uh, have trespassed against us. You know, give us our daily bread. Deliver us from evil. And so on and so on. Buchner goes on to say, it takes courage to be bold enough to pray the radical petitions that I just mentioned that follow our Father. To speak these words is to invite the tiger out of the cage, to unleash a power that makes atomic power look like a warm breeze. This prayer is radical and revolutionary and full of hope for those who believe and those who know God as Father. Our Father is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is also our older brother. He takes us to the heart of what it means to be a human being. For we have been created as relational beings made in the image of God. We get to call him Father and invite him into our lives. God cares for us and he knows our name. We are persons, my friends, not robots. Or artificial intelligence. We sing a song in the church, a little chorus I have a father, he calls me his own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. He knows my name, he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. This is our Father. He hears me when I call. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Our Father is not your biological Father. Our Father is a familiar Father. He is the Father of the family of God. Jesus' prayer doesn't address God as King, but as Father. Not in terms of God's power, but in terms of God's love and relationality. And it addresses God not as my father, but as our father. Everyone's father. Every Christian's father. And no matter what the denomination is, no matter what people say they're independent or not independent, he is our father. In this sense, the person praying alone in the private remembers that spirituality in God's kingdom, while personal, is never individualistic. We never pray this prayer alone. Even Jesus prays this prayer 
with us. We pray in concert and we make a beautiful melody and harmony with the whole body of Christ ushering our voices, joining our voices together, saying, Our Father. This is the language of belonging. This is the language of family. This is the invitation. Come on in. This is why we can sense a deep bond with other followers of Jesus, no matter where they come from in our world, different cultures, countries, when we first meet them, because God is our Father. We have experienced that personally in Switzerland, in Germany, in Italy, in other countries, in the Caribbean as well, that when we enter a church, even if we are not known to them, we are still sons and daughters of God, and we can address him as Father, and we have this kingship that the Holy Spirit is bringing us together, and we worship the Holy One. And she writes, has the following words. When we call God Father, we are called to step out as apprentice children into a world of pain and darkness. We will find that darkness all around us. It will terrify us precisely because it will remind us of the darkness inside our own selves. The temptation then is to switch off the news, to shout out the pain of the world, or shut out the pain of the world, rather, and to create a painless world for ourselves. A good deal of our contemporary culture is designed to do that exactly. No wonder people find it hard to pray. But if, as the people of the living creator, God, we respond to the call to be his sons and his daughters, if we take the risk of calling him father, then we are called to be the people through whom the pain of the world is held in the healing light of the love of God. And as we then discover that we want to pray, need to pray, this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a powerful prayer. It's a radical prayer. It's a revolutionary prayer. Going back to little Hannah, she understood this. She understood the radicalness, the revolutionariness, the compassionate part of it, the intimacy, the awe of it. And she wanted to share this prayer with others. Little did she know that she was being like her older brother, Jesus Christ, our representative before the Father, and the Father's representative before us. Jesus, the Son of God, loved sharing this prayer with his disciples, and we want to share it with you. Let us pray together from home. Hope you can see the screen as well. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And all God's people are saying, Amen. Praise the Lord for a father who cares. Amen.